Hi, Sunshine. I'm Natasha, your host of the Shine Online podcast and the CEO at Shine with Natasha, where I specialize in Instagram strategy and video storytelling. In this conversational podcast, I interview the brightest entrepreneurs I know and share my best Instagram strategies with the goal of empowering you to do business in a way that feels real to you. These conversations will bring you no fluff advice, honest conversations, and actionable strategies to help you shine online. There are so many bright brands in the online world, but there's always room for one more. Let's shine together. Thank you so much for joining me today for the podcast, Taylor. I'm excited to chat. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited that we get to do this in like a formal capacity instead of just voice notes over (laughs) Instagram DM. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I feel like this has been long overdue. So there's a lot of things I want to talk about. Um, I first kind of want to start with like, let's start with cliff notes of your career, which I know will probably be pretty hard, but kind of just give us an overview of your career pre-entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And then kind of how it led you to what you just accomplished in your first full year of entrepreneurship in 2021. Okay. Awesome. So I've been working in like the social media content marketing space, my whole career. So that's like over 12 years to make me sound super old. <laughs> and so most of that experience was in working in startups, specifically like B2B SaaS startups. So I was an early employee at Hootsuite. That was like my very first job out of college. And that also was my kind of reason for dropping out of college. Cause I had found what I was supposed to be doing in marketing. And then over the years, like what a lot of, I think I would say my most formative job for me was as director of content marketing at later, which is a leading Instagram marketing platform that I'm sure a lot of people know about. So I was the very first marketing hire there and really grew the whole brand and the marketing for so many years until the point where, when I left in 2020. So that was, you know, overseeing so many different acquisition channels, but we really used content marketing and social media specifically to grow the brand, but not only grow the brand, actually grow the bottom line. So that's everything from, you know, building the blog, which we were able to grow it to over 3 million sessions a month when I, when I left. And that also was the engine that kind of fueled the growth for the entire company as well. So I have a lot of different areas of marketing that I've worked in all specifically on the organic side. So if it comes to anything paid, I know nothing. (laughs) I am purely an organic girl. So that's like email, blog, brand, influencer, marketing, content, and of course, social. After I left later, I went to work at Girlboss. So I was head of marketing at Girlboss specifically focused on growing the Instagram account. So we were able to grow that account, you know, by... 300,000 followers in about six months, which was really amazing. And it was actually my first time getting to manage an Instagram account of that size. Cause it had 1.5 million followers when I first got my hands on it. So it was a whole new experience, you know, when you yeah. 
post something and you can't just like take it down right away because it already has like tens of thousands of likes or engagement on it. So it was really exciting. And then earlier this year, I quit that job to kind of go all in on my own business and trying to figure out what that was. And so, um, yeah, that led me to creating courses and stuff. So I'm just kind of on my entrepreneurial journey now. And that ended up with the result of, I launched the reels course in November, which was super exciting. And so it was my first real course launch ended up being over a hundred thousand dollar course launch. So it was very exciting times. Um, but it's been a very like changing transformative year as well. Oh yeah. That is amazing. And I'm curious, what did it feel like being at like startups where you're like Mm -hmm. building a brand from the ground up? I mean, from when you were with later, when you started to what we know later as of now, I mean, completely different to now like building your own brand. Like, has it felt kind of similar or does it feel like a just completely different circus? It's definitely similar for the fact that, you know, you're wearing so many different hats and you're doing everything. And you're kind of like, when I started later, I was the one and only marketer, you know? So I was doing all everything and you have like the ideas and the strategy, but then you're like the person that has to execute everything as well. So it's a lot to juggle. And I feel like that now in my business where I have, you know, maybe more of an advanced marketing strategy than I did when I first started later, but that same thing where like, I'm the one who has to execute everything on my own as well. So it's really Mm -hmm. all up to me to make everything happen and like have the ideas for the marketing campaigns, but then also have the ability to like do the work as well. And so I think like for myself as a marketing leader, I've always wanted to be very hands-on and not just be someone who was just managing. And I think that's probably why this is a better fit for me because I do like to just still be so hands-on with content and making things happen versus you know, just managing people. And as you get to like a director level, that's really like where a lot of your skill set is going. And I actually like to be able to like, you know, be in the weeds and practicing it. So that's why I think it's a good fit for me. Definitely. And I'm like, this is just me being nosy and curious. Mm -hmm. Um, as you like continue to grow your business from going of like, I don't really want to manage so much to now, you know, doing everything yourself, like what does team building look like for you? Like, do you want to keep it small and just be you and maybe have some help? Like, do you want to kind of dabble in having like your own little circle of people to manage? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, for sure. So when I was launching the reels course, I launched an Instagram account to go along with it, which has grown to a hundred thousand followers. We will talk about that, which we'll get to, (laughs) but the point of that is that you know, I hired a social media manager to help me with that account. And I think for me, that was like the biggest light bulb moment where I was like, okay, if I was just managing this account, there's no way we would have been at that number just because I know I'm not disciplined enough to make sure that I'm prioritizing that and like scheduling all the content and, you know, really actioning the strategy. So that's made me kind of see the light. So I am going to be hiring. I want to hire kind of like an assistant to help me with all of my personal social media channels. And then I'll probably, you know, be looking to hire maybe like a funnel specialist or something Mm. like that in the interim, but I'm definitely trying to outsource for the things that take a lot of time that I also know I'm just not going to be dedicated enough 
to do yeah. myself. <laughs> and that yield the best results. Like those are yeah. all profitable parts of your business that have to get done. But as like one human, you can only do so much. Like you could mm-hmm. be on this podcast or you could be creating reels or you could be doing more courses or there's just so many things that you could be doing with your time where it's like, you almost have to like pick and choose sometimes. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's where like the balance lies for me is like how, much do I want to scale this year? Like, I know there's so much potential, but I also want to go back to like the reasons why Mm -hmm. I left my job and started my business, which was to really have a lifestyle change where I'm really in control of my schedule, where I'm not as stressed out and I have a better semblance of balance in my life. So that's kind of where I am with my business right now being like, you know, the more I hire and grow and scale the team, you know, the more pressures on me to like, make more revenue. And I need to find like the right balance there where I'm hiring. Yes, maybe a little bit, but ultimately like where I feel right now, I don't want to have this huge team. I'm not trying to make millions of dollars with my courses. Like, I think I found like a bit of a sweet spot for myself where mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy right now, but you know, that can all change right. <laughs> As anything I've learned is so much could change in a year. So Yeah, definitely. But I feel like that's a great approach because I think once you like see what's possible, it's hard not to be like, I want more and more and grow and grow and scale and momentum, momentum. But then, yeah, I mean, that takes more time and energy and it's, it's, you you, you just can't have both, right? Like you have to pick and choose sometimes. And sometimes the slower growth might not feel like the sexiest option, but it's sometimes like what's best for your business long-term, right? Definitely. And I think like something I learned most was like when we were working at girl boss and trying to, you know, update the branding and everything and the mission, like we really came to the conclusion of wanting to like redefine what that word success meant Mm -hmm. and realize that every person has their own definition of success. And like, for me, it's really trying to evaluate like, what is that definition of success? And it's not the dollar figure for me, it's really like, what, how can I have like the best lifestyle where I'm, you know, making good money, I'm having good margins, but I'm not super, super stressed out all the time. Cause that's not why I created my business and just being okay with like having a lifestyle business that, you know, gives you the lifestyle that you want and not feeling pressure that you have to always be doing bigger and better and making even more money. Cause that's just not, that's not what we want. Yeah. It's not for me. It's just not my, my end goals and to squeeze like every dollar out that that I possibly can. So yeah, definitely. I feel like that resonated with a lot of people listening, but I do want to talk about the launch, you know, (laughs) I mean, we had a huge first launch. That's Mm -hmm. amazing. Congrats on that. And I'm kind of curious, let's like, just like recap it behind the scenes. What do you feel like went really well? What do you feel like you're like, we're not doing that again. And what do you feel like maybe you learn from launching things like with later? Like, I'm sure you did a lot of like new features and products within later and obviously later con, like you were part of launches in like a totally different way. So maybe did you apply some of those things So kind of let's break down the launch? Yeah. So I think, I guess, starting with the first thing was like the brand identity for the launch. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely something that I really honed in on in all of my previous marketing roles. By the time I was ready to create my course, you know, I knew I wanted to have a very strong visual brand identity. I knew I wanted it to like 
look a certain way. And I knew that there was value in that. Like if I invested in the design and the brand side of it, that would show people like that this is, you know, a course that's worth paying four or $500 for. So that was like the number one thing that I was, I knew I wanted to like invest money in. So I spent yeah. about $17,000 to create the course, which is a lot of money. My original budget was 10 and it, you know, it, then it was yeah. 15 and it ended up around 17. But because earlier in the year in January, I did like a very low budget content planning workshop And my goal there was to make $3,000 and I ended up with making $30,000. So that really validated to me that, okay, I can do education. I can, people will pay to learn from me. Mm -hmm. If I hadn't had that situation where I literally spent like nothing to put it on, I wouldn't have invested so much money, but yeah. So a big chunk of that money went towards brand and production. So that was Mm -hmm. another thing that I felt very confident in was the production side of things, like how to create courses, how to have, you know, good lighting and set vibes and all that stuff. Yeah. I've done it a lot at later and, you know, managing all of the video for later con multiple years in a row and stuff. I felt very comfortable with all that aspect of everything. The stuff that was very new to me that I had no idea what I was doing was when it came to like selling. Cause I'd only created free courses before for different right. brands, you know, I've created, I've created courses for Skillshare and Shopify and all these different brands, but they're always free. So I had no idea, about like the selling strategy. So I <laughs> talked with like a few different friends and I ended up totally changing the strategy that I had. And I feel like that was just the most helpful was for me was to talk to other people who were doing it. So that was the whole part of everything that I really had no idea what I was doing about. And I was just crossing my fingers that it would work. (laughs) And it did. And I'm curious, like, what were some of those takeaways from those conversations with those friends? I think the biggest one was like my friend, Christina Galbato was like, you have to launch your course with a webinar, like a free Mm. webinar to get those email leads to sell on the webinar. And that tip, you know, I ended up that plus my real strategy ended up like doubling my email list in the week before my course was going to launch. So that was super, super helpful for me and something that I wouldn't have done. Like that wasn't in my original launch plan at all. And I think just, you know, I was also very strongly cautioned against doing an evergreen course. Everyone Mm -hmm. was like, do launches, do live launches. But for me, I felt confident in my skill set as a marketer. And I knew the things I would need to do in order to make a successful evergreen course. And I still think I can do them, but my problem is right now I haven't done them because I just haven't had the time because I'm just, you know, that one person doing everything, but I did, I launched it. And after I think it was seven, eight days, then the, I had a promo where it was like $150 off the regular price of the course. And that ran for eight days. And then I closed it. And even though I opened the course again, like two weeks later on black Friday, and it's still open now for people to sign up, I think following my friend's tips and having that day to close then made it so that people, you know, they had a deadline of when they had to actually sign up and have that sense of urgency and everything. So those were things that tips that I took away from everyone yeah. else that I wouldn't have necessarily done myself. Yeah. Those are really great tips. I'd love to talk about the Instagram account now mm-hmm. because that was a big email list grower. And like, I mean, the reels tips account is not your first rodeo at like 
getting a lot of really great growth and engagement in such a short period of time. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about growing that account and also like why you decided to do, I mean, besides that you got the best Instagram handle there is, (laughs) why did you decide to make another account versus doing it all on your own? And kind of were there similarities between how you grew with girl boss and how you did the reels tip. So kind of just Instagram growth, viral growth. I'm assuming reels are a big part of that. So kind of give us a breakdown. Yeah, for sure. So I think the, the biggest thing I learned managing the girl boss account was just how powerful reels are and how powerful they are for growth, because we barely even created any original content on reels just because we had such a small team, but we would repost TikToks as reels basically. And that would be anything from, you know, like a very small creator that had like 200 followers, but I saw their video on TikTok and thought it was awesome. And then we would share it on the girl boss account. And all of a sudden they would have, you know, 7,000 followers on their Instagram account. And so I just really saw like the power of reels and that's what made me want to create the reels course. So I knew that I could use reels as basically like this top of funnel traffic driver to look for my target audience. So Mm. that's why I created the reels tips account. And the reason why I created a separate Instagram account instead of doing it all on my own is that I was really thinking long-term about like my branding Mm. strategy. And as much as I love the course that I created and I totally believe in reels, I don't want to personally be known as like the reels girl and have my brand limited to that. And when I think about my personal brand, you know, I want that to be more about general marketing or growing Mm. your marketing career and kind of, you know, doing more content that isn't just so narrow specifically. Like I know I post a lot about Instagram, but this year I'm really wanting to not be pigeonholed into that content just for myself. I was like, okay, let's make a new account. That's like really specific to this. We can just very like niche down and make it very real specific. And then the type of reels that we have found to be the most successful have been sharing tutorial type of content or like timing tutorials where we just show you, you know, like how many seconds to put each photo on to make a reel. And so that's been very successful at basically the Instagram algorithm, sending those reels out to hundreds of thousands of millions of people who are interested in creating reels. And then they come to the reels tips account. I think we have a bio that's very high converting, you know, it's like looking for a trending audio or tutorial. Like we got you like follow here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So then people are more enticed to follow us. And then they get all of the awesome, like reels education. And then obviously trickle down in the funnel to actually purchasing the reels course. So that was kind of the strategy behind it. And was really just using reels as like this top of funnel driver to get, to really reach as many people that would be potentially interested in the course as possible. Yeah, definitely. And I know another part of that was like memes as well, like especially on Mm -hmm. girl boss and you've Mm -hmm. done that a little bit on your reels tips account. So talk to us a little bit about that strategy as well. Cause I feel like those coupled together means you're like nailing the feed algorithm. You're also getting to the reels algorithm and probably resulted in a lot of great organic growth. Yes. I think that there's like the top three ways to grow on Instagram right now are like one reels, two memes, and three tweet posts. That was a huge thing that I learned looking at the analytics of the Instagram for girl boss was how well our tweet posts would perform. Cause they're just so highly shareable it's been and for years. Like, I feel like that yeah. has been a trend that like, isn't even a trend anymore. It's like, feels like it's a part of Instagram. 
I know. And it's the easiest content you can possibly put up there. It takes like two seconds to make. So all three of those types of content are like just so highly shareable. So same with like memes as well. So memes are just such a great way to share content that's fun and shareable and people share it to their stories. They click the Mm -hmm. post, they come to your profile they follow you. So memes, I feel like I have had, um, a lot of education in the last year on how to get better at memes and how to like organize them and stuff. So there may or may not be a little workshop on that coming, but, (laughs) but yeah, I think that like, if you can really get into a meme mentality with your brand and figure out how to insert your brand into different memes or meme conversations. That's such an amazing skill set to have as a social media manager, especially because reels is kind of the same thing. Like I say, like a lot of reels are just memes in video form. It's like this Mm -hmm. meme mentality that you need to learn. And it takes a little bit of practice and it's kind of working some different creativity muscles. But once you get it, it's just you're on a roll and it's so easy to execute and you'll just always be thinking of different memes. So yes, definitely. I feel like the common thread between all those types of content is not only like shareable in terms of like the Mm -hmm. metric, but I think it's really those like relatability touch points of like, I feel like for so long, it was hard for people that are consuming on Instagram to relate to the brands they were connected with or the creators. But these memes brings in that level of like, oh, we like laugh about the same thing or struggle mm-hmm. with the same thing or cry at the same thing, which I feel like is like what we've all learned from TikTok, right? Of like, it's okay to think, like to actually vocalize the things we're thinking that we think no one else is thinking thinking, right? Yeah, for sure. And I think that that's why like really understanding who your target audience is and who your, your existing followers are, or the followers that you want to attract are, because if you can really understand them and understand their pain points, then you're able to create content that addresses those. And that doesn't have to be, you know, like educational content on their pain point. It can be Mm -hmm. like making a joke about it in a funny reel or, you know, on a meme or something like that. Definitely. And I'm kind of curious about the viral side of things Mm -hmm. of getting all this viral growth. There's like, there's like a, a lot of sides of the coin here. But it seems like you've kind of nailed at least being able to attract most of your ideal followers and or customers. Is there like something specifically you're thinking about there? Is it come back to who you're like really thinking of that person that you're trying to reach? Or is it kind of like a crapshoot and you're like, I might reach 50% of the people that I want to see and the other 50% might just be not on par and that's okay too. Yeah. So I've had a lot of different content go viral over this last year. And I think the main thing I've learned is you can go viral and it can make no difference in your business, in your business. It can just be a little blip and you have 3 million views and you don't gain any followers and you don't sell any money and it doesn't do anything. Or you can go viral and it can, you know, totally change your business. And so I think like being like having your account and your business basically ready for viral growth is the main differentiator there. And then the second point being that making sure the content you're creating is related to your niche. So I can give you an example of like, um, an example of one viral content, like didn't work for me. (laughs) And it was just like, I shared this funny, um, video from my wedding that have, it was like my four year wedding anniversary. And I was looking through 
photos and I found this video with my husband checking his phone when I was walking down the aisle, which is such a cringe moment. <laughs> and I shared it, you know, in this very like meme way uh, yeah. that I knew would get people to stick around to watch the rest of the end of the video. And it went super viral and we were like interviewed by CNN for it. And like, it was in all these publications, but yeah. Just because it was on the news and stuff doesn't mean like it did anything for my personal Instagram right. account because it does, it's not related to what I post about. You know, it's yeah. like my life, which I guess is related, but I didn't get any really any followers or anything from it. So I guess the only thing that I got out of it was like backlinks to my website from a bunch of, you know, the na- Daily Mail and stuff like that, which I right. guess helps, but not really. Yeah. Um, right. It's like, are you really <laughs> reaching the right people? Yeah. Yeah. Versus like when you are creating viral content, that's relevant to your niche. So, you know, during the election, I was working a lot on political content for girl boss and, you know, it was Kamala Harris at that time was, you know, a huge topic and created some reels that, you know, got tens of millions of views. And because it was all around the theme of female empowerment and stuff, obviously that then resulted in like a ton of new followers for the girl boss account and everything. So like that was related. Same thing with like setting your business up for success. When you go viral, I think that the reels tip account, we did a really good job because we were targeting the exact people that we knew we wanted to target with our top of funnel content. We were focused on sharing, you know, high level ideas about reels. We weren't making reels about why you should buy the course. It was just about the general topic. And then people would be so interested in the content when they go to the profile, we had that captivating bio. And then we had the link in the bio that went to our free um, webinar that we were doing for the reels course, which was how to batch reels. So then people could sign up right then. Cause that's the best mm-hmm. time to convert someone is when they're first coming to your profile. It's like the highest level of interest they're going to have. So if you can take even a small percentage, but if you're getting, you know, one, 2 million views on a reel and you can convert even just 1% of those people to your email list, I would think that's a huge success. And then when people come to look at your profile, they're also going to be browsing through the rest of your feed. So you need to make sure that what brought them to your profile and the real, that type of content, they can find the rest of that on your feed. So I think that's why I don't think you have to be successful as a creator. Like, I don't think you have to only focus on a niche, but that's a huge plus with reels is when people come to your feed and all the rest of the content is matching your niche. And then they're like, okay, I want to follow this person. So Mm -hmm. I think that's why we were able to generate so many follows in like such a short amount of time. So, and it's all thanks to the reels algorithm because Instagram is doing the heavy lifting, right? They're sending your content out to hundreds, thousands, millions of people and putting you on their radar. And then it's up to you and your content to like convert as much of that traffic as possible. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I I love how you unintentionally basically broke down how using your Instagram profile and content as a funnel, which I think not Mm -hmm. enough people really think about. And I feel like when we think about like our grid and we think about our profile content, I feel like that 
experience that like homepage experience is something a lot of business owners neglect because they're so concerned with their content, which is obviously really important too. Like that's just one piece of the puzzle, but if people go to your profile and you don't make a strong first impression, they don't know where to go. They don't know why they should follow you. They don't know why they should click the link in your bio or consume more of your content they're literally going to leave. Like that's just yeah. how they're going to bounce completely off. So I love how that was like such a big part of how you're able to retain and then convert all that viral growth. For sure. Because I did all of my selling pretty much on Instagram for my courses without ads, like all very organic. And I think treating your Instagram, like a website is, is very important. And that's how you do it. You know, in, in the social space, it's such a controversial topic as to whether the quote unquote, like grid aesthetic is important or not, but I, maybe I'm old school in this way, but for the reasons you say, that's why it really matters to me. It's not for my existing followers. Yeah. My existing followers aren't going to go back and look at my profile very often, but for all the visitors that I get, that's what's going to make them decide if they want to convert from a visitor into a follower. And you can also do like AB testing with that as well. So you can test different bio types to see what works and what's more converting. So I, lots of people don't realize you can do this, but you just have to, you know, like have one bio in your account for say like a week and look at your website visitors or I mean your profile visits for that week and divide it by your new followers to find that percentage, test a bio for another week, and then compare the conversion rates of those. And you can, you might be surprised that like one bio actually changing a line in your bio can result in like way more followers for you. So it's just like how you would AB test you know, different copy on your website. Definitely. Yeah. I noticed a similar thing of like, I always think it's great to have a call to action in your bio. And I remember I had updated one of my freebies and I just updated my bio without even really telling people I had a new freebie. And I like just in one day of changing my bio, not saying anything about it. I got like 20 new people on my email list. Like people are looking at your bio and they're looking for that guidance. So love that you gave that tip. I think that's so powerful. Speaking of reels, I'm kind of curious, like, what are your thoughts on like the reels TikTok war, I guess you could say, Mm. like, what do you think? Do you think reels is just like really unoriginal and lame? Or do you think there's still like so much potential there? Or are they just totally different? But they're not totally different. Like, right. Like reels is emulated after TikTok. I'm just curious if you have a thought on this, because I feel like now that reels are like almost two years old, which sounds like so crazy. It feels like they're not almost two years old, but they're turning two this year. Like, what are your thoughts on like the future of reels compared to TikTok, which has kept up so much momentum? Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see if reels develops any of its own culture. I think the biggest thing yeah. is that all of the trends on reels, even if for a lot of people, you know, they're seeing them on reels over TikTok, they all come from TikTok. Like not every TikTok trend makes it to reels because there's just, you know, so many trends on TikTok and there is so much of a kind of like inside joke culture on TikTok that you have to be a user of the app to understand a lot of those inside jokes. So trends that kind of use those inside jokes or that mentality, those aren't going to transfer over well to reels, but, um, 
most of the trends are still coming from TikTok and then they like slowly make their way over to reels, which yeah. as a marketer, I love because I can kind of can look and see what's trending on TikTok. I have, you know, a two week window to create that content before I share it on reels, which is nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm going to be curious to see if, if reels is able to like develop any of their own differentiating factors from TikTok. Um, cause most of the features that they're coming out with are really just to compete with TikTok and have similar mm-hmm. TikTok features. So I'm curious to see kind of how that will evolve. Um, but at the same time, it's interesting to me that a lot of people do post reels who don't post on TikTok. Maybe they right. view TikTok, but yeah. they don't actually post on TikTok. So for me, one of my goals this year is to actually post more on TikTok. I post yeah, like same. random videos that get a lot of views, but they're not, it's nothing like rel- related to my business. Like right. I don't post any marketing content on there. So I'm going to have to kind of like pivot that audience a little bit, but I'm trying to embrace that like TikTok side a lot more. And I think within that too, is like, I'm trying to embrace a lot of that, like casualness of TikTok. Yeah. And I'm trying to think about that and put that on my reels too. Cause I realized that like a lot of the things that I post stories about, I actually could just post that as a reel, but mm-hmm. I get to in my head. I'm like, Oh, I don't have like great lighting. Oh, I have to like do this whole shoot day thing for it. But so much content that's successful on TikTok that we then see on reels is just super basic talking to camera with a green screen behind you kind of a thing. So, um, I think like you can look at creators like tinks or this other one, actually her handle is called like girl boss town. She does like PR moves I would make for if I worked with this influencer or this brand or things like that. And they catch on and these creators grow so much just from like talk, you know, doing the simplest type of content that is kind of more similar to stories. But I feel like with Instagram, we have this like weird block where I'm like, oh, this is stories content. But if you turn that into a reel, it can like grow so much further and it can live for so much longer. So I have like weird mental blocks about that. Yeah, I definitely agree. I feel like with Instagram in general, outside of stories, there's like slightly more of a curation with like TikTok. I feel like there's like there's no in between. It's like you are either literally picked up your phone, filmed something and just posted it off a whim. Or -hmm. there's like the creators that like go ham and it's like so creative and the transitions are perfect. And it's like a totally different, like there's no in between. If you're in between those, it won't perform. It has to be (laughs) totally unhinged or really curated. So yeah, I think that's really interesting. I, I hope Instagram gets some creativity here, but we will just have to see. I want to pivot a little bit and end things off talking about mental health and social media. Cause I know you've shared a lot about your journey with your Mm -hmm. own mental health um, and trying to find that balance, especially now as being an entrepreneur. I know you took a little Instagram break recently. And I feel like for us as marketers, it's really hard to take a break because Instagram, social media, marketing, content creation is very much our jobs. It's very much a part of how we run our businesses. So I'm kind of curious, like, have you been able to find some boundaries? Have you been testing with it? Is there stuff still like you're struggling with? Because I think it's something that not only marketers, but also business owners are struggling with as well. Yeah, for sure. I think that trying to balance 
your screen time and your screen time with social is so difficult, especially when you have to be on it for work. But I did take an extended Instagram break over the holidays. And it was so good for me. Like at first I was like, okay, I'm just not going to post on stories. Cause I like wasn't feeling well. And then I was sick and I just overdosed on social media content. Like mm-hmm. I watched, you know, I was watching something on TV, but I was just watching like so many TikToks or stories. And it got to this point where I was watching all this content from people. I didn't even remember when I followed them. And that's when, you know, it's bad because I'm like, how many stories have I gone through? So I was like, okay, I really just need a break. And so I deleted the Instagram app from my phone. Cause I didn't even trust myself to, you know, your think your thumbs will just like fidget and open yeah. it without you <laughs> even knowing. And it was so good for me to just take that little bit of a detox. And I realized that I really needed to get better with my boundaries for this year. So it's definitely not, not something that I have figured out. People ask me for advice all the time and I'm like, give me your, give me your advice. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to do Right now I'm trying to do like one day a week where I'm not on Instagram at all. I don't open the app. So for me, that was, yeah, yesterday on a Sunday. And I'm trying to think of like, is there different types of content that I can kind of do weekly that will still be okay? Because for example, I'm like, yeah, a Sunday without social media would be so great. But I'm also like Sundays, I get the most story views. So in my head, I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, oh, but I have to like balance, um, you know, like performance and engagement versus what's better for my mental health. But right now I'm just choosing to like prioritize that mental health thing. And then maybe there's something I can do where, you know, I do a Q and a every Sunday or something like that, that I can like pre-plan and create the slides and just post them or something like that. Like we're creative marketers. We can come up with solutions for things, but yeah, I just think fully disconnecting from the app is so important. And otherwise you're going to get burned out from it so quickly and you need to create boundaries in order to like be creative. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. I feel like it's, it's like, it's hard because oftentimes like we enjoy creating content and like Mm -hmm. engaging with our community. It's not because we're like, oh, we hate the app, but like creating those boundaries really makes it where it's like we can enjoy and like create better. Right. And you just Mm -hmm. feel so much better and you don't get into those habits. Cause yeah, I have to do, I like, I have these like TikTok breaks where I'm like, okay, I just like went a little too ham. I need to delete it for like a few weeks. And like, you start to like take a little break. Right. (laughs) No, TikTok is really the worst. Like I can, I need to give myself and be like, Hey, I can only go on this for like 30 minutes a day max or something like that. Because if I start scrolling late at night, I'll just be on it for like two hours. Hours. And that's my biggest thing is like, I need to, I realize like, I really want to stop mindlessly scrolling when you're using social media with intention and you're like, okay, I'm looking to see what trends are happening or, you know, what my friends are up to. Like, that's one thing. But when you're just sitting there mindlessly scrolling, it's just like junk food to your brain. I'm curious though, like what boundaries do you have? Do you take like, do you have like hours or days that you take off? Yeah, I would say for the most part in terms of like my business account, I like to do it business hours, Monday through now kind of Thursday, we're doing a four day work week, kind of sort of working on it. (laughs) So that's the days I'm creating and on social media. And I think I've gotten a lot more at peace of like, 
when I have deep focus days, sometimes it means the phone's just going in the drawer and I'll post after I get all the things done. I feel like weekends are definitely sacred for me. I, for the most part, don't create on weekends. I think that's been like a healthy boundary. But yeah, I think TikTok's more the danger zone for me. TikTok's the danger zone. And like DMs and comments, I feel like I also struggle with. I don't know if you struggle with that too, but I feel like ever since my Instagram account went over 10,000 followers, I just feel like I can never catch up with all my DMs. So that's my struggle. Yeah, you just have to make peace with it. I think for me, one time when I took a a couple weeks break, you know how it says like 99 plus requests or whatever in your (laughs) message request folder. Like I realized that those get deleted after two weeks because then all of a sudden my, when I was on like a weeks long break, the 99 number jumped to like 40 or something like that. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like they just go away after I think it's two weeks or a month or something like that. And yeah, I have just got to the point now where I'm like, I, I don't feel bad about my unread DMS and I just do it when I have the mental capacity to do it. And then I reply people and then I, you know, go up in our search and see the other messages and like them and stuff like that, you know, but I mean, like, I can't even, I can't even text back my friends. Like I know they're, they are all used to me being like the worst. So because like taking a break is like us taking a break from our phones. Right. And then it's like all our personal things are on our phones. So it's like, it's a struggle for sure. Yeah. But I love what you said about even deep focus days and just putting your phone away because when I was taking my Instagram break over the holidays, I didn't come back until I think like the Thursday or Friday after the first week of the year. And I realized how much more productive I was in my business. And I was like, okay, this isn't just like a mental health thing. This is also like a a productivity thing for, even though my job is to be on Instagram, I have to do other work that isn't on Instagram. So yeah. It's all about trying to find, find balance and ways to do that. And it's so hard. (laughs) So hard. It's so hard, but I feel like just us all talking about it. And I think like almost like getting rid of the shame that I think we unadvertently have of like, why can't I control myself to not go on TikTok for two hours or Mm -hmm. feel bad about my Instagram DMS. And it's like, we're like human. That's totally Mm -hmm. normal that we feel like we want to respond to these people that want to talk to us. And that this algorithm that's quite literally designed to be addictive in that way is, is wrapping us in. So I think that's like the first step of like, this is okay. I can carve things out and I can still create great content and be on the app and, you know, grow for my brand. But like, there has to be some give there. Like we have to maybe be like, okay, I'm just going to post a few days less, or I'm going to put the phone away. And it's all about balance, but none of us have it figured out. I don't think we're all figuring it out. Yeah, totally. And I think that's for me, like my biggest thing this year is really doing things that are best for my mental health and my business or on social media. And I think that a lot of the times, like being a marketer, you can just become so performance driven by Mm -hmm. numbers or things. And like, I think a good example is like, you know, January and our business is like a very, very busy month. Normally, this is a time when lots of people have like their goals. They're more willing to buy courses. They want to engage in like new, like Instagram trips for 2022 or whatever. And so previously when I was like, you know, like working that later, we'd be working all these months up and January is always the big month of the year. And this year I just had to make the decision. Like, I'm not going to push myself just because it's January. Like I'm not going to Mm -hmm. burn myself out and push myself to the, you know, 
brink of having a mental breakdown just because I want to what, like maximize this time to get more reach or followers or whatever it is. Like, I was just like, it's not worth it for me. And I need to have that same, if I'm going to think about that with like timelines and calendars, I need to have that same perspective for like going on Instagram too. Yeah. Definitely. I feel that. Well, I loved having this conversation with you and hearing kind of like behind the scenes of all those things. And I'm excited to see what the year has in store for you. So definitely let people know where they can connect with you, learn more about your reels course, follow your Instagrams. Let us know all the details. Amazing. Yes. Well, the best place to connect with me is on my Instagram at taylor.loran. If you want to get lots of tips on how to do your reels. You can follow us at reels tips. And that's where you can also find information on the reels course, which is the course that basically helps you with the strategy, filming, editing, and everything you need to know to create amazing reels. So perfect. That's it. Thank you so much for having me though. It's so fun to get to chat. Yeah, this is so fun. We'll leave all those links in the show notes and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope you loved the gem shared. Be sure to check out any of the important links I mentioned in the episode show notes. Don't forget to follow the show to be the first to know when our next episode airs. If you loved what you heard, I'd so appreciate it if you left us a review as it really helps support the show. I love seeing your takeaways from the episode over on the gram. So be sure to tag me in your stories at shine with Natasha. Remember, regardless of where you're at in your entrepreneurship journey, there's always room for your biz to shine. See you next time.